Hey Northridge, welcome to A Little Better, where our goal is to know God better and to do better so that we can be a little better. Well, hey, Northridge Church, welcome back to A Little Better. We're glad that you're here with us. This is Aaron Hickson. I'm the Henrietta Campus Pastor, and I am joined again by the OG, the original, the man, the myth, the legend, so many other titles, Lead Pastor Drew Karshner. We're glad you're back. It's good to be back. Thanks for jumping back in. And I've got a few things that we need to talk through before we get to anything sermon discussion related. And the first thing is, on a serious note, it's kind of the thing that's demanding everyone's attention in the news and in the world right now, and that is the coronavirus. So why don't you tell us a little bit about like, okay, what's going on with the coronavirus? How is Northridge reacting to it? What do our people need to know about it? Yeah, I mean, I, I only know what the news tells me about the coronavirus. And the news is always accurate. Exactly. So, so I mean, I just believe everything they say. But, you know, as a church, we're, we, we've been prepping for a while now. We've been meeting as a leadership team and kind of unfolding like a four-phase plan just based off if things change, what happens if it starts to spread in Rochester. Because remember, we don't even have a confirmed case, I don't believe, in the Rochester area. And so... Right, as of recording. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and one thing we want our, our church people to know is, one, we're going to be releasing an email. Um, and in this email, it's just going to kind of tell you... Uh, you know, some things about what we're doing to protect the people who are coming to our church. Um, we're talking about, you know, things that we, aggressive steps that we're taking to protect our church, but two things that you can do, simple things like, hey, when you're in the lobby, wave at people instead of shake their hands, like right. refrain from giving hugs. This would have been a bad weekend because I feel like everybody gave me a hug. <laughs> That's true. We'll weekend. talk more about why that was. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, I would encourage you to read this email. There's a lot of good information to, you know, for you to know about our church and for it to protect you as you kind of interact with people in the crowds. And so make sure you read it. It's going to be coming out tomorrow. Um, but we're just, as a church, we're doing the best we can to prepare uh, for the worst, to get ready. We've even talked to, with, you know, our small groups. How can we make them virtual if, if things get bad, how we can have small groups that meet online rather than in person. And so right. we're thinking outside the box, just we're going to, we're going to work with this as it goes, but just know we've got it. We're, we're praying that it's not a big deal, but we're planning like it is a big deal. I love that. There's only so much that's in our control. Um, in fact, the answer is, it seems like very little <laughs> hand sanitizer and, uh, you know, not giving hugs are just, these are common sense steps that we can all yep. take. And so let's be doing those. And if you're not feeling well, you know, it probably not very often that on our podcast, we're going to tell you not to come to church. Stay home. <laughs> but if you're not feeling well, this time of year, there's a lot of reasons, you know, between the flu and the coronavirus and whatever, there are probably good reasons to stay home. We have a live stream for a reason. Exactly. And just for the record, the live stream is for when you're not feeling well, not when you don't want to get up and out of bed. Come on, this guy. That's so true. Um, but yeah, so let's just take some common sense precautions and be praying, you know, for uh, our country for around the world. Obviously there yeah. are countries impacted much more deeply than we are right now. So we'll, we'll be praying, taking some common sense steps and uh, let's not greet one another with a holy kiss for a little while. We'll just yeah. kind of like pass over that part. <laughs> but um, Hey Drew, for you personally, um, how are you feeling? I, this is your first time back on the podcast after uh, everything with Israel and then obviously with your dad's passing. So um, as comfortable as you feel sharing, how are you and your family doing? Yeah, I had a lot of people ask me this, and I'm actually learning to be honest. You know, my my natural reaction is always to say, "Oh, we're good, we're good," and man, we're not. We're we're not good. We're okay, is what I say. We're we're making it day by day. Um, we get a little bit better as each day passes, and uh, 
you know, again, I'm, I am learning what it means to lean on God so much in this journey. Um, we're hurting and, you know, I can go from laughing to crying in, in a moment's notice. Um, I, I just think that's grief, you know, gr- I'm grieving. And so I've been angry, I've been happy, I've been sad, I've been everything. And so, you know, a lot of people ask, Hey, what can we do for you? And, uh, one, just, I think the most important thing is just pray for us. Like, I know that seems like, oh, I want to do something tangible. That is very tangible for our family right now. Your, your prayers have kept us. And I just want to say thank you. I have a stack of cards in my house that is just ridiculously high. And it's That's so awesome. nice to know how much we are loved and cared and that people are thinking of us. It means the world, the text messages, people have been bringing us meals for a, like a month now. And mm-hmm. man... I just can't tell you how thankful I am for the church, the body of believers, and how they've loved us and cared for us. And we're going to make it. We're, we're okay. Mm-hmm. And you've got your mom there with you, here, still here in Rochester, right? Yeah, my mom has officially moved in, so she's going to be living with us. She's going to be a member of Northridge Church. And so, you know, I, w- I would challenge you just to kind of give her some space, as you see her at the Rochester campus. But, you know, just continue to love us through your prayers, and, uh, you know, we'll see, you'll see mom and us around, and I'll be on the stage. And I'm, I'm kind of ready to get back into a little bit of routine, kind of, you know, dis- rediscover what normal is for us now. Yeah, I was going to ask, how does preaching, I don't know, impacted? Is it cathartic? Is it more stressful than normal? Like just a little bit of behind the scenes as you're, obviously you've only done it once and you got to speak at a conference, but those two things so far, has that been good, bad? What's that been like? Yeah. Yesterday was weird for me. Normally I am, you know, I feel pretty confident walking into a message uh, I'm in a rhythm, but I had been out of it for a little bit. And so I was nervous. I sure. was stressed. I was emotional. And so I think all those things kind of made me feel like I, I just don't know. I, I didn't know how I felt yesterday. But man, after I got off stage, um, I just felt he- like I felt a little bit of healing, like just to be able to talk about it publicly um, and to honor my dad and 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 to point people back to God and relying on him. It just was really healing for me. I even told my mom yesterday, it was just it was really good. It felt really good for our family. It, it hurt and it was hard. Yeah. But sometimes the best things in life are when you push through, you know, that hurt and you keep going. And man, we honored God and that's most important. Totally agreed. I can't believe how much when we planned these sermon series, how much we, have no clue. <laughs> we had no clue that yeah. God is good, God is love, God is sovereign, and dependence mm-hmm. <laughs> would be the, the things that we'd be covering over this last month. So, um, yeah, we're with you, brother, but thank you for being willing to kind of share. And I recognize there's a sense in which uh, you you have to grieve publicly in a way that not everyone has to. That's that's kind of unfair in some ways. Like I'm I'm not like, I'm not trying to make this a pity party or something, but like there is the the nature of your job requires you to, to be in public about this in a way that, um, is hard. So thanks for, thanks for modeling, uh, this for us as a church. And, um, we'll, we'll try to do everything we can to be supportive to your family, be praying for you and recognize that this is a season that's not days. It's not months, it's years. So we want to be there for you. Um, but transitioning to this message from Sunday, which so awesome. I loved the video. Another, of course, shout out to the O. Davidson creative team. They're <laughs> unbelievable. Oh, my word. It was so good. <laughs> I, uh, we were both 
talking before we started recording that I I don't think that a dozen times would be a bad estimate of how many times we we listened. To, I mean, we watched it before before Sunday, but um, so great job to to Drew and Meg. Uh, Davidson, Drew. I mean, oh, I guess also Drew Karshner, but Drew and Meg. No, <laughs> mostly Drew and Meg, <laughs> Davidson. That. Yeah. Um, but you, one, one story that you told that I was intrigued by was you talked about your guide while you were in China and you were like fully dependent on him. And I just thought like, there's probably some stories there. So when you were, when that, when that guy, whatever his name was, when he was your guide in China, tell us some stories. Did he come through for you? Did he fail you at any point? Like, how did that go? <laughs> Man, Simon was, he was the bomb. Honestly, I don't think we could have asked for a better guide. Um, anytime you're traveling to a country where you don't communicate the language, you have no clue where you are. It's hard on its own, but Simon was so good. I think of, of one story and like dependence. So we, we were asked if we wanted to travel to Malachi's orphanage and mm-hmm. um, you ride the bullet train. And so it's kind of like going into the airport and he navigated us, navigated us through this whole journey where, man, we would have been lost without him. And so we, we traveled to Malachi's orphanage, which is about a four hour bullet train ride. So wow. we're talking about some distance. How um, far, how those things go like, I, I don't know like, how fast it went. Like um, really fast. <laughs> I don't, I'm it was kind of a fun experience, okay. but we, it, it's about a four hour journey. So we're covering some ground and we're going a little bit towards the country, like the country area, not the actual country of China, but like the, 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 you know, the more landscape pictures of China, we get to his orphanage and then we're getting ready to get the bullet train back each time you have to buy tickets. And so we get to the line and it's long. Every line is long. And there's one line for like, you know, foreign passengers. You got to show your passport so everybody knows where you are. And we're sitting in this line for an hour and it has not moved. Wow. Has not moved. No, like no one has bought a ticket. Everybody's just arguing. And I can't, I have no clue what people are saying because they're speaking in a language I don't understand. All I can tell is really tense. And Simon An is- An hour and nothing has happened? Nothing moved. I oh. mean, and it, by the way, it's a hundred degrees out and a hundred percent humidity. hundred <laughs> like, percent. It's- Your sweat is sweating. <laughs> <laughs> so it's raining on oh, your sweat. That's sweat. Yes. I mean, it, you, like Ashley and I are drenched and when I'm hot, I get angry. It's just, it's one of my flaws. Okay. Just I'm know this you. about me. I'm when I get you. hot, I'm angry. And I'm just like, Simon, what is going on? Like what's, what's happening? And you can tell he's frustrated. And all of a sudden Simon just goes into beast mode <laughs> where he walks to the front of the line, out front of the line. I mean, he like butts everybody and he's yelling out loud these words. I have no clue what he's saying. I am convinced he was cussing at everybody, <laughs> just saying swear words at everybody. Or he was telling everybody that we were like foreign ambassadors to the United States because <laughs> he just straight up cut the line started yelling at the teller, and in five minutes, we had our tickets to the bullet train, and I was like, Simon, you are the man. You are the man. (laughs) That is awesome. And that sounds like utter and complete dependence. Oh. I'm imagining you still in that line. (laughs) I can't imagine, like, not just being in that line, but being in that line alone. Oh, my word. I mean... It's just, we banked on him and he was such a good guide. Simon, if you're listening, which you probably aren't. <laughs> Let's just assume that we have an international Man, reach. There you go. So he's, there's probably a lot of people in China listening right now. Uh, um, okay. Yeah. That's, I, I was figuring that at least there had to be a thing or two that happened over time. But so Sunday was all about dependence. Jesus got away up onto the mountaintop. Um, and of all people, you would think he wouldn't need prayer, but of course he did. And he did it all the time. We saw that rhythm in his life. Um, and it really encouraged us to be spending time alone with God. So I have some questions for you about that. Um, what does your time alone with God look like? Um, how has that been 
maybe throughout your life in this season? Has it changed? What what does when when you're mirroring Jesus's action of getting along with God? What does that look like for you? Well, it looks like scheduled time alone. Like I mean. I, I can't really describe it. One thing I've always done with my time alone with God is I've always tried to freshen it up. So like based off seasons, I will kind of switch gears. So I'm usually a morning guy. So in the morning, that's the first thing I'm going to do. I just like that because it sets the pace for my day. Um, Sometimes I'll switch to evenings just because I, I love winding down my day with, you know, even when I wind my day down with God, I feel like I wake up with that in, in my head. Sure. So I will switch gears. And again, I, I don't think there's a, a like a perfect recipe. It's just a matter of getting alone with God. Sometimes I will sit in silence with a pen and paper and just listen. Most times I've got my Bible open or a book open that's, you know, highlighting something in my Bible. A lot of times I'll I'll listen to worship music or I will sing without music. Again, I am a very much, I like change. I'm a very fresh it up. So like when it gets stale, I think this is one way that Christians, you know, you get along with God, you get along, you get in this rhythm and then you're like, oh man, this is kind of, I'm yeah, you're just bored. checking the box. And so I can consistently try to freshen it up and make it, you know, exciting or it should be exciting, but you know what I mean? Just keep sure. it fresh. And so I do a lot of different things. Sometimes I'll go on, a, someone actually texted me um, after my message Sunday, hey, I just took an hour and 30 minute walk alone with God. So good. And so like, yeah, exercise with God. I, one, one way I do Especially sometimes... Especially this weekend in Rochester. Oh my word. That's <laughs> the first time you could be outside for an hour and a half They were like, yes, I experienced God so much through the sun. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, I the one thing I will never stop doing is scheduling it. Because I feel like if I don't schedule it, I won't do it. Sure. I won't. And if it's on my calendar... You can ask my assistant, you can ask my wife, I'm going to do it. It's just <laughs> the way my true. life works. And so I put that time in and I don't miss it. Man, I love that consistency. I admire your um, track record <laughs> of, of doing that so consistently. Um, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm, I don't know. For one, I don't really have anything on my calendar unless it's like a breakfast or for appointment. I'm not usually putting anything before like 8 a.m. or whatever when I'm normally arriving at work. So I've never put it on my calendar in that sense. And I'm also, no surprise, much different than you. I don't (laughs) love change. I love routines and rhythms and doing things the exact same way all the time. So for me, journaling is a really big part of Mm -hmm. my spiritual growth. And there, I'm not, that's not to say I do it every day. And that's not even to say that every season of my life since I was in high school when I started, I haven't always, always done it, but that's usually been indicative of the times when I've grown the most. Mm. So I can look back at month periods or, you know, a couple months where I'm like, ah, I really wasn't journaling or I even times where I intentionally set it aside. Um, but when I'm really growing the most and when I process life best, I'm, I'm journaling. In fact, sometimes that I've set it aside, this is kind of interesting. If I'm doing a read through the Bible plan and I've done that for, you know, a couple times before we're like over the course of a year, I'll read the whole Bible. Or even when we've done like 90 day New Testament challenges or that kind of stuff. I actually, I have to stop journaling because that reading takes enough time. And I'm, I don't know, I don't know that I'm like a remarkably fast reader, but if I'm going to read it and comprehend it and think about it, it's going to take all the time I usually have. And so for me, my journaling is usually on like a verse (laughs) or, you know, like (laughs) a paragraph or something. And then I'm like just journaling for some, for me, because I really like it. If I can get 30 or 45 minutes and uh, even an hour, if there's like something 
probably pre-kids that I could have done that. That's what I really love to do mm. is journaling. Um, For the yeah. record, I know you journal. Um, how many journals do you have full? I know you have like, you took me, a, you sent me a picture once of like all the journals that you've yeah. filled. How many? I probably have, have, I think I have eight or nine right now. Nine, but I have actually just in the last six months, I've started journaling on an iPad. Like I actually use my iPad in a, in a, like a stylus. Yep. And I'm, I'm feeling a little bit like it's sacrilegious <laughs> because <laughs> I don't, I love, like I have the same, I have nine of the exact same journal. They look the same. I Yeah. They're, write, they're the ones with like the, it's like the rainbow and it's got like a pink lock with a key so yes, no can get into yeah, it. Yeah. It's got like a heart on the front. Yes, right. Okay. It says like my princess journal. Right. <laughs> a bunch of those. I think words. you and Joelle picked them up at the same time. <laughs> we so. did. Yeah, actually she bought me my first one. Um, <laughs> it's, um, anyway, I, so I like consistency. I like seeing them on my shelf. They all look the same, but I switched to, I'm like really mixing it up and I missed to switch to digital journaling and it's been, it's been good. It's been good. I like that I can look them up more easily and like Definitely. search them on Evernote. But anyway, okay. So that's what your time with God looks like. Do you, um, are you an outside person, inside person? Do you like to be like super alone, meaning like noise canceling headphones or can there be like kids off? in the living room making noise or what, what do you need in terms of isolation? Um, I like to be alone. Um, I don't like to have distractions. Um, a lot of times, if not almost all times, I'll turn my cell phone off. Um, usually when I'm, I, I'm really trying to focus, I will read a paper Bible because nice. it, it doesn't distract me. But a lot of times I'll read my, my, I usually regret it, but I always go back to it. I don't know why I'll read my iPhone and then all of a sudden I, I'll have my, the, the noise off, but then, you know, you still see the notification and I'm totally. like, Oh man, I want to, it just, it's just a distraction. I think the devil works in distractions to keep you from the best thing. And so I try to do as much as I can to get away from the noise. Now, a lot of times I'll walk outside, man. I love being outside or laying on the beach. Like mm. I just love God's creation. I think it screams out in, in worship to him. And so, um, I love to be outside. I love to be alone in a corner. I have never done the Daniel thing where I've cl- shut my closet. I think that's just weird. But uh-huh. hey, if you're a closet person, that's that's cool as well. So what do you run to um, instead of time with God? We, we talked about like things that we can sometimes believe are going to bring us the rest that we need. What are Do you have two or three or five things that when it's in those toss-up moments, like, oh, which am I going to do? Which are the things that you might turn to instead of time with God? Yeah, I think I have uh, a couple majors. One is my wife. Um, man, I, my wife is my best friend, and we have a, a really uh, solid marriage. And there are times where I will actually take God and move him out of his position and put my wife there. Um, when I'm exhausted, when I'm stressed, and, and not that going to your spouse is a bad thing. I'm not saying that. But when I am relying on my wife to give me a sense of rest that only God can give. I've, I've, I've failed. And there are times where I, I I do that. Another one is just the, you know, the, the break, uh, the vacation, Mm. the, the nap, um, the hobby. Um, when I'm just like, I want to get away from life. I'm, I need to go to Florida in the winter and (laughs) take the sun in, or I need a nap to, to refuel me, or I need to go golfing and just forget about life. And again, I'll take, what God should be giving me and I'll replace it with something else. And I think those are the big ones for me. You, what do you, what about you? I mean, I would assume probably since we're so similar, yours are the exact same as mine. <laughs> totally. But. So similar. Um, yeah, I, I'm not as good at 
um, turning off my phone. I almost never read the Bible on my phone. I think the YouVersion app is unbelievably good. I mean, it's such a gift to the mm. world that is that God's word is so accessible on every device. It's amazing. I just am not, I'm really, I kind of struggle to get into digital reading of any kind. I like just got a Kindle and like feeling like cutting edge as if they just came out. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of getting into that. I've always liked using a, a normal kind of paper Bible, but my distractions would for sure be extra. Probably my biggest one is extra sleep. And even in my community group, some of those guys uh, listen to this and the, the ones that don't listen to it, you know, I regularly make fun you of them. You need to rebuke them. Yeah, I do. <laughs> just call out their sin. That's what we do in, in prayer time. But um <laughs> No, they'll, they'll know. Um, I've talked about how my, the snooze button is the biggest enemy to my time with God. Mm-hmm. Like if I set my alarm on my phone, I put it right next to the bedside table. If I hit snooze even once, that can be the first thing to go mm-hmm. because like I have exactly how my morning's going to run every morning. I know what time I need to get up. I know, you know, I have 20 minutes to get ready and then 20 minutes for breakfast and blah, blah, blah. Like I like work it all out. And if I one, one bump and I'm done. And mm-hmm. so like at my times when my devotions or time with God are best, it's just when I'm not hitting the snooze button. So that's good, dude. Yeah, that's like one to one comparison ratio of whether or not I snooze and do I spend sufficient time with God. As a pastor, I feel like there's a sense in which I can excuse not having alone time with God because do I read the Bible? I read the Bible every single day. Like it's it's <laughs> going true. to happen. And I'm going to be engaging in spiritual conversations and blah, 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 praying for people and, you know, going to the hospital or whatever. Like, I'm going to be doing things that honor God. But that is, if I'm sure you've experienced it, that is no substitute for actual, like, my time mm. with my journal and my Bible. Yep. There is nothing that does what that does. No sermon yep. prep does, sermon prep doesn't even touch it. <laughs> yep. And a lot of people do that with Sundays or in a small oh, group. They think yes. that is my time with God is like, hey, that's when I'm alone with God is on Sunday or when I'm with my community group. And again, it's, those are good, amazing things. And yet you're banking on them as if they're the best thing and they're just not. So let me ask, let's lean in there. Somebody might say, okay, I'm not, Maybe I'm not getting alone with God, but I'm connecting with him through other people and we're getting together in community group. Like, does my community group count? If somebody feels like it does, what would you say to them? Yeah, I would say, yes, it does count with connecting with God. But I would say, like a marriage, God wants a relationship with you. Hmm. And in my marriage, if I only spent time with my wife in a crowd, we would have a really shallow relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing with God is, man, if you only connect with God in a large group setting and in a small group setting, and you never take the time to get alone with God, what you will lack in your relationship with God is what we call intimacy. Mm -hmm. And it's where you just experience God for who he is, just you and him. And he speaks directly to your situation and your needs. And you get to just express your heart to him. And there's just nothing like it. If you haven't experienced it, man, you one, try it. I, I don't, <laughs> I'm convinced God will, God will come through on his mm-hmm. end. It's just a matter of we will come through on our end. And there's just a major difference between connecting with God with people, which is a good thing. Again, it's something that we need to do. We must do, but there's a huge difference between connecting with God, just you and him. Yeah. It's like what Jesus was doing on the mountaintop, right? Like he had his disciples. That was like the best small group there ever was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I mean, 
they had their issues, but like that, you know, that's Jesus with his 12 dudes. He spent three years with them. We don't have community groups that tight. You know yeah. what I mean? And yet he felt like he needed to leave that as the son of God. Yep. He needed to leave those spiritually committed people that's a great point. in order to be with his, to be with his father. I even do this in our marriage. You know, I, I've read a lot of marriage books that say you should pray with your spouse. You should do devotions with your spouse. And, you know, Ashley and I, we pray together, but one thing we don't do and, you know, take it or leave it, we don't do our devotions together as a couple. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is I just think there are certain things that, man, you want to reserve for just you and God. I'm not saying don't read books with your spouse sure. or whatever, but I'm just saying like that you can't replace alone time with God, just you and him, even with your spouse. Like there is something that you need just between you and God. And Ashley, is just, Ashley and I have just made this choice. Like when it comes to our time with God, like mm-hmm. that's, those are separate things. I told Lauren and I are the same way. And I would say there's even a sense in which, uh, yeah, again, like there's plenty of good stuff about couples reading the Bible together. And I'm Definitely. certainly not like anti couples reading <laughs> the Bible together because it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. Like Lauren and I could be reading together and also spending time on our yes. own. So there's nothing bad about reading the Bible with your spouse, but I don't want a secondhand relationship with God. Right. Like it could be easy for one of the two of us to begin to only connect with God via Mm. the other person. And then it's like, if you think about a line, like one, two, three, like one is God, two is my spouse, three is me. I only get there through my spouse. And like, you don't need an intermediary. In fact, it'd be unhealthy for you to think that you do. Yeah. And so it's just fascinating to me that the Christian life is so, it can be so introspective. Like there's a lot in our heads, in our hearts, that we have to process through and work through. I think our world and even, you know, other religious practices are very much like activity oriented and they're all about doing and whatever. And this is, there's just so much about connecting with God that it's his word. It's thinking about it. Mm -hmm. It's learning and processing the historical environments and blah, 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 blah. And then what does it mean for me? And what's really going on in my motives? What's going on in my hearts, in my heart? Like, why should a long walk be a way that you connect with God? Well, it's because creation is screaming about his glory. And because I got a lot of garbage in my head, I got to process through. (laughs) And just that processing is like, God wired us for that. And we need to do that in a God word way, or we'll never become the people that God wants us to be. We'll never have that depth, that rest that you were talking about. And so as we were closing up here, kind of a last question, and maybe even a, a small piece of pushback, I guess, is that your big statement was um, that rested people have been alone with God. So talk to me about that. Like, is that always true? Um, What does a rested person mean? Like, I'm thinking of your wife or my wife, like with young kids, they don't seem very rested, Mm. (laughs) you know? So what does rested mean? And why is it that that only comes after you've been alone with God? Yeah, that... You know, what does rested mean? I I think, you know, the Bible talks about peace. It talks about Mm -hmm. God gives you a peace that goes beyond all understanding. And, 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 you know, you could look at our wives or any, any, you know, mom (laughs) or any human with kids (laughs) under the age of, you know, seven or Or that lives in a distracted world. Like, yeah, or has a hard work job, you know, like, I think you look at anybody and you're like, well, I don't, they, I think there's a difference between, you know, physical rest, like someone who looks, has, you know, no wrinkles, the, the beautiful skin is the beauty model, and a person who is actually rested. Hmm. Uh, when I think of being rested, it means I'm confident in Jesus's plans for me. I'm confident in where I'm at and where God has me. There's this level of faith and trust in God that just gives me that peace or that rest. 
I think so many of us are just searching for temporary rest. Right. And God offers a rest that is not only circumstantial, but it's also eternal. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, what gives me rest above anything else is the fact that I know Jesus is my leader and my forgiver and that Mm. I'm getting out of all this chaoticness and I'm going to be with him for all of eternity. Like above anything else in life, whether my bank account is full or whether my kids are behaving, that is the thing that gives me rest above anything else. And I think, again, that ties with being alone with God is like, if he's the only one capable of giving me that rest through eternity, then I have to spend alone time with him so he can not only give me that type of rest, but also rest here on earth. Because the last thing we want as Christians, I think, is to claim eternity, but be chaotic and crazy in the earth. Like that doesn't send the message that God has given me rest. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not saying you're not going to struggle or, you know, life isn't going to be tumultuous at times. But what I'm saying is in the midst of all that, the Bible says that we should have peace. We should be rested because our confidence is in Jesus and it's in our Savior. And so, hey, there are times where honestly, you just need to take a nap. You know, right. that's the rest you need. You need a physical rest. Your kids are crazy. You need to just get a nap and that's okay. Right. Or you need to go on a vacation. These are all things that I do on a regular rhythm. There's There are disciplines in my life that are very helpful, mm-hmm. but th- those things cannot offer you a rest that Jesus can. Mm-hmm. And a vacation might give you a temporary break from the stressfulness of your job, but knowing where your eternity hangs, you, knowing your eternity is is in the hands of Jesus, that will give you a rest through anything you walk through. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Andrew, this means so much to hear that from you, especially in all that you're walking through. Um, I would classify you and your family as people that are rested. And I believe that's because you've been alone with God and you're, you're showing that is now showing as you guys model for us, how to walk through tragedy and having confidence in God. So thank you for doing that, for modeling that. And I'm looking forward to week two of this unfiltered Jesus series. In fact, I think we have a very timely bottom line. Uh, As I was looking ahead at your notes, it looks like the kind of the big point is going to be that we need to choose trust over fear. And in the midst of your family circumstances, in the midst of the coronavirus, (laughs) in the midst of everything going on, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Jesus models that for us. So Mm. thanks. 